I serve a God who lives. I serve a God that just didn't save me from, from my problems, but he saved me and he taught me and he said that I could live a victorious life. And I'm just a little bit excited about that this morning because I don't know about you, but I've had some hard times in life before. You know, what I explained the last time I talked is I told you about this, this health issue that I had with this brain tumor. And, you know, I was, when I was struggling before they actually had the diagnosis, I spent so many days just laying in bed in a dark room because I had vertigo so bad and I couldn't get up out of the bed. And it was just really a very, very dark time. So I want to talk to you this morning about finding hope when times are dark. So during that time, I would get up usually about once a day, and I would go sit in my recliner. It was a big deal <laughs> because I was going from the bed to the recliner, and that was awesome. And I would get in the recliner and think, okay, I'm feeling slightly normal. And usually about after about 45 minutes, I started feeling yuck again. But, you know, that 45 minutes in that recliner just meant something. But when I, one day when I was sitting in that recliner and I gazed back into the bedroom and it was just so dark and so dreary and I had to wear that eye mask thing, you know, and I, it, I wore it all the time. I kept it kind of hooded over my eyes because it, it helped me to, to try to balance. But I glanced back into that bedroom and I said, you know what, God, that's dark. <laughs> that is a very dark room to sit in and lay in every day. This should not be. This should not be. It's not right. And I was angry. And God spoke to me. He said, I'm not the darkness, but I'm in it. I thought, whoa, that's new. I don't think I know God quite like that. I don't think I know him so well that I expect him to be in my darkness. He said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to enter in to the darkness. I thought, what? You're not dark, you're light. In you there is no darkness. He said, enter in to the darkness. I'm going to carry you through this time. And I had to learn to walk in some faith. Like I'd never had to learn to walk through before. I had to learn to believe that I was going to be okay no matter what was going on. It was a hard time. There's a scripture in John 12, 35. It says, walk in the light while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. And I realized at that moment that I could either get real bitter about being that sick or I could trust in God. And I wanted to learn more about Job. How did Job get through his hot mess? So I couldn't even read. So I would get my iPad and I would bring up the Bible gateway and I would have it on Audible. And it would play the Job all day long until I knew Job's story well. You know, but there's one part in Job's story that we forget. At the end of going through all of that process, one of the things that Job finally said, he said, you know, my head had heard of you before, but after this darkness, my eyes have seen you. 
There's a difference in the head knowledge of who Christ is. There's a difference in knowing him from the heart level. You know, I took a tour of the biosphere. Have y'all ever been out there to Arizona to the biosphere? It's kind of cool. So these scientists entered this biosphere situation where they were going to recreate the world. So they built this humongous-looking aquarium-type building. And they were going to recreate the world. They were going to plant trees and vegetation. And the scientists were going to all enter. And they all agreed that they were going to live in there for two years, simply living off the, the stuff that they raised, the, the crops that they were going to, to plant. And, and that's the way they were going to live. And just study the world. They had a little mini ocean, a little mini forest, all of this stuff. It was all lined out. It looked super cool. And so, of course, when I went, it was all over with, and I'll tell you what the demise was of it. But as I'm taking this tour, I get to this beautiful palm tree, which I'm very attracted to because I love palm trees. So this palm tree was the most beautiful palm tree I've ever seen. I haven't seen one out in the world as big as this. So I thought it was really unusual that they were able to build this palm tree so stinking big and so stinking pretty. How'd they do it? You know, and so as I began to back up so I could get a really good view of that palm tree, I looked all the way up to the top of the biosphere and I realized the thing was being held up by a bunch of ropes. Ropes, ropes, ropes everywhere, ropes. I mean, there was a bunch of ropes. And I thought, well, that tree's not all it's looking like, you know. If it can't even stand up on its own two feet, what kind of tree is that? So, of course, me, you know, with the tour guide, I said, sir, sir, excuse me, (laughs) that's a beautiful palm tree, but why are all those ropes up there holding this beautiful palm tree up? Oh, well, ma'am, the reason that we have ropes is because, you know, in the biosphere, it's not like the real world. You see, we don't really have hurricanes and tornadoes and torrential rains and all of these things that can happen in the real world. So in here, because there's no real wind and nothing to really keep it uh, strong, uh, that's why it looks like this. And I said, well, what, what do you mean by that? He goes, oh, well, the only way that trees get strong is through the adversity of bad weather. I was like, Oh, wow. He said, yeah, you have to be able to go through hurricanes. And those those trees have to learn to bend way down so that they can be strengthened. That when they go this way or that way, that they learn to just bounce back up and be strong. I thought, well, all righty then. That's very interesting. But after I left there, God spoke to me, and he said, you're like that tree. Marty, I created you to be like a tree that's planted by the water, that's well-fed, that knows how to do what you know how to do, that has strong character, that knows how to get through adversity. But you can't go through anything without thinking that I'm mad at you or I don't like you or I'm not with you. You can't seem to go through anything, so I have to prop you up all the time. I thought, whoa, that's a strong word from God. I was like, really? I said, God, I want to go deeper and I want to be strong. Would you help me? 
Would you be with me? Train me, Lord. I want to be like you. I want to have your character. We are built to be strong through adversity. God wants to build you to withstand whatever difficulties you encounter. Mark 4, 15 through 20 says, Some people are like seeds sown along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, and, and they lose what was sown into them. Others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word out, making it unfruitful. Others are like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold return. So the seed on rocky ground had roots that were too shallow. The seed among thorns was too worried about everything else. What about me? What about my stuff, God? You know, what about what I need? What about this? What about that? That just overtook what God was trying to do in their life. Then there was seed on good ground. This seed was well able to accept whatever was coming its way. You know, all too often I think we come into the word, the word of God and we say, Okay, Lord, I give you my heart. Dear Lord, save me from my sin. Hallelujah and amen. And we keep walking and we live our lives the way we always have. We don't really make any changes. Can I just tell you something? Although salvation is the greatest thing that you'll ever do, it's the starting point with God. If you kind of view it like a mountain, it's right there at the bottom. Salvation, then there's growth, then there's the flesh-burning stage. Don't say that, don't do that, don't go there. I'm I'm calling you into a higher place. And you feel like you can't ever get it all aligned and you're like, Lord, help me. It's called the refinement process. Well, how is there hope in refinement? Because it's that that gets you to the place of hope. It's like building blocks. Building blocks of faith that get you where you're going. You know, I went I, at my old house, we had to redo the, the yard because all of our plants and shrubs and all of that started dying away. So we, so we went and we bought some new stuff. And what we didn't pay attention to, because I'm not a horticulturist, but I tried, um, what we didn't pay attention to is there's some plants that have to be in the direct sunlight. And then there's some that need to be in the shade. And if you do like I did, and you get them mixed up and you put them in the wrong place, everything will die. <laughs> yes, it will. And it will cost you lots of extra money. And so that's what I did. I put the stuff in the wrong place. And then I noticed that things couldn't withstand. So I was like, okay, I got to quickly change this stuff. So I started trying to change it. And then it was getting too hot. So the stuff that was too little that was taking that direct heat, although it was used to being able to be a sun plant, could not take the heat of the sun because it was too small. 
It didn't have anything that went down far enough. We need to pay attention to plants because that's the way God is growing us. Some plants are created to thrive in shade and some in direct sunlight. We have to thrive where God has placed us no matter what that looks like at the time. Learning to stick with the plan. We have to follow Jesus closely by keeping our faith strong. We keep our faith strong. We have to learn to surround ourselves with encouragers, with people that are a little bit ahead of us and not be intimidated by that. Letting someone come alongside us and speak into our heart and speak into our life. And then as we do that, God raises us to a new dimension. And as we learn to live in that new dimension, our peace increases. Shockingly. We start wondering, wow, I am so glad that I'm operating and functioning in more peace my husband just told me the other day, he said, you know, you just don't get near as whipped out about stuff as you used to. I said, well, thank you. I think I take that as a compliment. I think. <laughs> but it's really true. Because I've been through some things. And I've learned to persevere and overcome. I've learned to let God build my faith so I can come up to that higher dimension. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now that may sound freaky, but that's the way faith works. Be sure of what you believe by reading the word of God. I'm astounded at some people who say, I believe in God. I believe he's working in me. And they don't know the first thing about God. Because when they hit adversity, they say, God is not with me. Oh God, get someone that knows how to pray. You can pray. Everyone can pray. It does not take a spiritual giant to say, God, help. God is listening to your voice. You have a unique sound, a unique purpose. And he loves you uniquely. <laughs> it's good stuff. Romans 10, 7 says, so then Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we let the word get in us, it's the same way Jesus fought adversity. is by knowing the word and having it planted in him. Knowing how to quickly discern wherever he was, how to let godly character take over and help you make those decisions. When you go through dark times, God is at work. The Bible says in John 12, 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So let me get this straight. When a seed falls to the ground, it completely dies. It goes into the dirt, deeply buried, looks like nothing. 
is going on. Absolutely nothing. Dormant dead. That's the way it looks. Just like your circumstances. And after it's in there, it can even be covered by a layer of snow. I mean cold. And then all of a sudden, at the right time, that seed will split open and it will begin to grow toward the sunshine. It will peek through the dirt and you'll see a sprout. And then all of a sudden, as it's watered, it begins to grow bigger and bigger. And then blossoms and blooms and beautiful things come forth. And it's so much bigger than what that little bitty dead seed ever was. Darkness is a time to quietly trust. I've learned that. Let me just blow your mind about how important words are when you're going through difficulties. There was a study done in 2007 by the University of Kentucky, and they were trying to prove that the theory of of, uh, this big boom theory was not correct. So they went in and they started doing this study. And at the end of the study, here's what they concluded. You can look it up online if you want to know more details. But in that study, they concluded that the world was spoken to existence by the vibration of vocal cords. And now we're scientifically learning that we're all electronic kind of. We have vibration. It makes sense if you really think about the scientific side of it. Whereas used to, it sounded like craziness. But if God is our Father, and He spoke the Word into existence, He spoke the world, He spoke His Word, He spoke you, if He did all of that, and we are supposed to be like Him, how much more are we supposed to be speaking life into our own crappy circumstances? Thank you for that one amen out there. We matter, and what we speak is powerful. Words are powerful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. If you walk around all the time saying, ugh, I stink, you will. Your sour attitude will jump on everybody around you, and you will not be pleasant to be around. You'll be negative whining, and you'll be like the Israelites who spent 40 years on a 14-day trip. God said, I'm not letting you get there until you get happy. You're just like, oh, the desert's hot. There's nothing to drink. Gee, my sandals are still working out, though. Wow. We forget how to be grateful. We forget that God builds us through adversity. We forget that we will never be the tree planted by the water until we allow him to get into our lives at this level. We forget. When I used to do jail ministry and I was brand new at it and I met this woman and she was a prostitute and she was like in her 50s and I was like, really? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but she, I said, you keep on landing in jail. So what are you doing? She said, I tell you what I'm doing. I don't remember. (laughs) I said, well, you need to, girl, because, you know, life ain't going to get any better for you. You're 50 years old. You can't keep doing this. 
You, you know, looks will fade and it's happening, babe. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's time to get this thing turned around, all right? <laughs> she said, I failed to remember. Well, if you can't remember, put the word up all over your house. Look like a crazy fool because it'll do you better than trying to look like you got it all together and you're nasty on the inside. God spoke into the darkness of nothingness and he believed by faith that nothingness would become the world that you are viewing right now. His eyes saw what, be, what could become real by the eyes of faith and he created you to be like that, to speak into existence. Now, I'm not talking about craziness. Don't say, God, I want to be a pop star and you can't carry a tune. I'm not talking about crazy. I'm talking about the things that God wants you to have. What does he want you to have? Life and life more abundantly. What does he want you to have? He wants you to have peace. He wants you to be well. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be smart. He wants you to know your value and your worth. Does that make sense? God wants more for you than some of us want for us. Words are powerful. God doesn't take you down a dark path to abandon you. Finding hope means confidence in God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Staying close to God and not falling into old ways of coping is important when you're facing darkness and difficulties. I'm not saying you might not spend a minute feeling sorry for yourself and a minute whining and whimpering, but you've got to learn to snap yourself back together and get back on board and know that you have not been abandoned. He would not do that to you. He would never do that to you. Joseph felt that way. Joseph, with the coat of many colors, saw himself up there with his brothers laying out before him. The biggest mistake he made was telling them because they became jealous and envious and they didn't like him anymore. So they threw him in the well. And there he sits in the darkness, brokenhearted, abandoned, unloved, unwanted, being hated, being sold by the ones that he loved the most. From there, he went to the king's house. Potiphar's wife was a hoochie mama, yep. <laughs> she chased him down. He rejected her. So he was thrown in prison because she lied about it. <laughs> and there he sat for another many years thinking, God, you have completely forgotten me. Really, a coat of many colors, wow. But you know one thing about Joseph? He kept his head on straight. His head would say one thing and he would correct it with the word of God. He kept his faith strong. He could have blown it with Potiphar's wife and said, well, why not? God's left me, hmm. But he didn't. He said, I will continue to follow God's commands. And I will live my life God's way. He continued to be sensitive to God. 
He continued to let God's commands just completely go over and over in his mind. He said, it's greater that I serve God. It's greater that I serve God. And he kept telling himself that. It's greater to serve God than being propped up by the best of people if your heart is not right. So many things can happen to us in life that break us down, break down our character. We can get treated unfairly at work. We can lose promotions. We can grieve because we've lost family members. We can be in financial disaster. We can be divorced or abandoned or cheated on. And all of those things hurt. They hurt real bad. But let me tell you something. There is nothing that you will go through in life that God is trying to take something away from you. God is always trying to get something to you. It's a setup for something great. Don't compare your situation to others because you know what? Your situation is unique to you. There's, it's just kind of like grade school, you know? First grade, second grade, you know certain things in first grade, then you know certain things in second grade, then you learn a little bit more in fourth and fifth, and, and then you get, you know? We learn like that. So don't compare yourself to someone else because they may be going through another thing. Oh, bless God. You see her, she always gets what she wants, you know. She's got more money than me. She's got blah, 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 blah. She's always skinnier than I am. She's got more Facebook friends. So you are where you are. Do your thing. Do your thing. And when you see someone that's blessed more than you, Say, I thank you, God, for showing me that. Because you know what? You're going to do that for me one day. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Build yourself up, the Bible says. Speak words and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You do whatever you need to do to keep yourself strong. And now let me just talk to some of you who've made some really big mistakes in your own life. You're like, it's like life didn't just hit me by a curveball. I chose some really bad things. I made some really horrible decisions. I want to talk to you specifically. Your poor decisions, God will save you from them just as much as something that swide swiped you out of nowhere. The same grace, the same mercy, the same goodness. When we don't listen to that interior conscience speak, that speaks to us constantly and says, don't go there, don't do that, don't friend that person, they're not going to do you any favors, don't enter into that business deal, don't go into that relationship, don't go there, don't, don't drink that, don't smoke that, don't, don't go there, it's not going to be good for you. And we're always thinking God's trying to take away something from us that we really want. That's not at all it. The only thing on God's mind is loving you and getting you where you need to be so that you can live the most peaceful life and a good life, an upstanding life. You know, one of the things I teach a lot in prison with the guys that I work with is respect because they all come in with this chip on their shoulder. Nobody respects me and they're going to respect me. Kind of from the hood, you know. It's about respect. 
And I said, sir, you know what? If respect is really what you want, you have to respect you first. So as soon as you respect you, then that will just come off of you around everybody else and they will respect you. That's where it comes from. And let me just tell you how to get respect. Do what's right and impress yourself. And when you're so overly impressed, when you lay your head down at night because you've done everything right today, you're respected and you feel good about you. And you get up the next day and you say, wow, you're pretty good, girl. You're pretty good, man. When you do what's respectful, you will respect you. When you respect you, everyone else respects you. But if you find yourself in the situation where you've made some horrible mistakes, the same God that delivers you from circumstances that are sideswiping you is the same God that will take all those faults on you on the inside and he will throw them as far as the east to the west. No difference. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? He doesn't want you to walk under punishment. He wants you to walk under love and acceptance and grace. All it takes is forgiveness. God, I messed up. I flubbed up. Show me how to get out of this. And he's well able and he'll do that. There's a saying that goes these days that's quite popular. You do you and I'll do me. Okay? Well, let me just tell you. We all need to do godly. That's what's respectable. When you blow it and you make wrong choices, he will deliver you. Grow your ability to follow him quickly. I've learned a lot of life lessons about following him quickly because I tried to play around with stuff for a little while and then realized you get burned. Your conscience is on the inside of you always telling you the right things to do. But some of us have said no so many times that we've seared our conscience, that our conscience can no longer discern right from wrong. A lot of guys I work with are like that. And that's kind of a sociopathic behavior. They have no remorse and and they don't have shame and they don't understand the pain that they've caused someone else. They have poor judgment and they have a failure to learn from their mistakes. It's kind of a bad heart situation. But there's a lot of people out there that have this issue. It's called an iniquity. King David had that issue. He said, God, give me a clean heart so I can learn to serve you in a right way, a right heart. He had to ask for that because he was in a place where he had really seared his own conscience, where he could no longer discern right from wrong, where he was in this mode of trying to cover up his mistakes. Some of us have gotten ourselves in that place where we don't even feel bad about the things that we do wrong. You know, sin is just missing the mark. You kind of get painted into a corner. Someone asking you real quick, did you do this? And you go, no. Oh, God, yes, later. Uh, I did. (laughs) It's just kind of missing the mark. Just not really able to say, you know what? I'm wrong, and, 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 and admit it right there at that minute. You have a hard time with that. That's just sin, miss, missing the mark. But iniquity, 
that's when God says, I'm going to take his heart of stone because that, that heart of stone can't discern. Your conscience is simply this. Your ability to attach yourself to the highest standard of what you know is right. That's really what your conscience is. It lives right here. This is where your spirit lives. And so you have to learn to listen to that conscience. That's where Jesus is telling you right from wrong. And as you get your word, as you get his word inside of you, it builds you up so that you can discern this. Does that make sense? And that's where we've got to learn to live, is live from that place. Our dark times show us where that place is. Our conscience. Keeping it clean and clear before God. Steady as it goes. Steady. When life circumstances send us conflicting information, our decisions are risky. It's hard to make a decision when you can't see things, when you don't really see what's ahead. We all have limited perspective, but let me tell you something about God. If our counsel is coming from God, then we have no issue. He will never lead you astray. So what we have to learn to do is get what has ever stopped up in our conscience and in our spirit aligned with God. And you will not, you cannot be led astray because God does not fail. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. Corey Ten Boom said this. She said, if darkness is intimate, then it's enough that I know that God knows. It's enough for me. As long as I know that I am not on my own, as long as I know that he is never unaware of where I am, then we got this. I can do this. I have a very good friend, and we've done many events together, and I love her deeply, Bridget. Let me just sing your praises for just a minute. I've asked her to come sing. She's got a brand new single, and it's called Never Unaware. I love this girl. Let me tell you, she is mature beyond her years. And I want her to come and sing her brand new single. Thank you, Bridget, for being with us this morning. I love you. I love your heart for God. I love your heart for people. I love your heart for honesty. And as she sings this, I just want you to close your eyes and just soak in what this word means. Because it's powerful if we really know that God would never leave us and never abandon us. He's never unaware. There's nothing that is in the dark that's lurking that you cannot get through. Amen? Sing for us, Bridget. You can do this. I don't know where you're going with all this. Okay. Shadows may taunt me with fear, but I won't tremble even when darkness appears. Oh, I remember this. Your faithful. So many answers unknown, but you are constant. I'm never left on my own. Cause you have promised that 
never unaware. It was a beautiful New York afternoon. John F. Kennedy Jr. hopped a plane with his wife and his, and his sister-in-law. He was going to a beautiful wedding at Martha's Vineyard. And as they're flying and enjoying their time, they're getting closer and closer to Martha's Vineyard. And there's a particular haze over Martha's Vineyard, and it gets a little difficult to, to understand where you are. The haze, the, the sun's going down a little bit. It's, it's difficult. And he started getting a little disoriented during the time of descent. And he started trying to self-correct because he couldn't quite understand where he was. And as he began to try to self-correct, he overcorrected. Instead of landing in Martha's Vineyard that day, he spiraled into the Atlantic Ocean, killing all three on board. They ended up accounting this as spacious disorientation, which is a condition common to deep-sea divers and pilots, where they can't see where they are. And because he had never learned to trust in the instrument landing, all he could go by was what he could see, and it deceived him. Some of us are there. We're disoriented. We don't know which way is up. And I am asking you right now to make a decision to follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords and make a new commitment and allow God to lead you and guide you because he's never trying to take something from you. He's trying to raise you to a new level. He's trying to get something to you. And it takes this. 
It takes us building up our faith and our confidence through adversity. It takes us keeping our faith and keeping him strong in us. It takes us believing with confidence. And it's not us going by what we see, but accepting his oil of joy and gladness, putting that song in your heart when you don't feel like it. I'm telling you that no matter what you're facing, God has got this and he is with you. This is freedom week, people. He wants to free you from every heavy weight in your life so that you walk in a new confidence. Let's pray. Father, I am asking you, Lord, this morning to touch our hearts, God, in a special way. Help us to never be unaware, God, that you are with us, that you are walking us through difficulties, through trauma, through grief, through our own mistakes, through adversity that may have hit us by the side. Lord, even though we may be pushed and pulled from the right or to the left, God, you are there. There is nothing in this world that is bigger than you. You've overcome death, hell, and the grave, God. You've overcome it all. You said, I will raise you up and I will raise a standard over you and I'll put a firewall around you that no enemy can penetrate. God forbid should we choose to not serve you and trust you. God forbid. May we serve you and trust you with our whole hearts, God. Not veering off to the right or to the left but trusting you with everything that we have in us to steady us, Lord. God, we give you our hearts the best we know how this morning. And I am, we are all asking you and, and asking you, God, to move and work in our hearts and our lives and bring the change, God, that you want to bring in us and through us. In Jesus' name. If you've never accepted Christ, I'm asking you right now to invite him into your heart. Just simply ask him. Tell him to come into your heart. Tell him that he's Lord, that you surrender, forgive you of all your sins. And if you've made that decision this morning, I want you to mark it on that connection card and drop it in your offering plate in just a minute because we're about to take the offering. But don't let this moment pass. Don't let this moment pass. He loves you. He's inviting you. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to be a part of this world, this mystery, confident, faith-filled world. And if you would like a little bit more prayer, personal prayer, I'll be in the back right after this service, back there where the black curtains are. Stop by. We'll pray for you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Bless our offering. Bless our time together. Bless everyone this week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.